Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 102 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. And as we record today, to me, and I'm not much of an exaggerator, but it is negative 300 degrees outside. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like literally walking on the surface <laughs> of Mars out there. It is not good at all. It's not good at all. It's very, very chilly. Uh, I just... Uh, Hopefully wh- when the this airs on President's Day? Is yeah, that what it is? Yeah, I think it's Hopefully President's it'll be a little nicer. Hopefully. I mean, it's almost March. We're almost out of the doldrums, man. Oh, I meant to tell you, I can't record next week, so there will not be an episode next Monday, everybody. Ooh. We won't be back until March 2nd. Uh, well, I guess everybody needs a little break. I'm yeah. going to see uh, Billy Joel. Did you ever see that Jim Gaffigan bit? Well, about Billy Joel? Yeah. No, uh-huh. I kind of avoid Billy Joel topics. I'm not a Billy Joel guy. Oh, no, you don't like Billy Joel? Nah, I've heard, if I never hear Piano Man at all for the rest of my life, I think it'll be I mean, I'll I can happy. understand that, but I'm a, I've never seen him. He's, I'm going to one of his Madison Square Garden bits that he's been doing for like, it yeah. seems, a million years. He's got like 60 a month or whatever the heck it is. I know he's got yeah, 60 a month. Re- he's very busy. He I think he only does a few a month. He just does many, many months. I love the fact that he can just do months, like a couple of times a month at Madison Square Garden in New York. And people are like, yeah, you know what? Maybe he's going to maybe have a new song. He won't. Oh, but no, but nobody wants him to have a new song. You don't ever want people like that to have new songs. You want to hear their classic stuff. That's why you're there. When I saw Bob Dylan and he played like 95% new stuff, I was like, this is the worst show ever. Well, because you just realized Bob Dylan doesn't have good music. I like Bob Dylan quite a bit, but I'm like, I want to hear the stuff that I know. Like people, I'm sorry, people aren't here for your new album. That's not why they bought tickets, Bob. And you know this to be true. Why doesn't anybody like my new music? (laughs) That's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's better than your bane. Um, Anyway. How how dare you? (laughs) I just wanted everyone to know that there won't be an episode next week but for this week we wanted to before the month ended at least get one black history episode in seems like the thing to do it seems like a great thing to do um and we really wanted to bring attention to black um directors yeah it's kind of depressing that there's not like a huge swath of Hollywood people to actually pull from for this kind of thing. Yeah, and hopefully this is something that is ever-changing as this is constantly brought to the forefront now and people are talking about it. We're trying to get people of color more opportunities because they have great stories. And I think that we as audiences are so much richer for the artists that we will be talking about, either present or departed. Um and like, it's good that they picked up a camera and insisted on showing us the way the world looks through their eyes. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it, it's incredibly important to see different odds and obstacles. And there's a lot of uncertainties in their profession. So you have to support these films. And especially like, this is some good stuff. These are some really talented people. Yeah. So like, we back them. Even though there's not a lot of them, like, there's some pretty big names on here. Like, some of the people I have on my list, like, they're huge Hollywood directors or at least high middle tier. Like, hopefully not in the future when we're doing an episode about black directors, it's just more and more and more and more. Yeah. There's I a lot mean, of talent uh, out there. And it's time that we know that the door is open for these people. So you want to just. Diving. I do, Did and like I love that sound effect. There's a <laughs> hand motion involved and everything. It's pretty great. So the first one I'm going to start with is the one that we recently got an argument about, um, which is Ava DuVernay. Oh, boy. Um, 
a fantastic, fantastic director. The, so, sh- the show's actually losing money every second that we talk about. Are you are you really gonna say you don't like her? You do though. You're just being difficult. No, I don't really like her. I don't. You really don't like her, her film. No, not really. I mean, what is there? Selma and there's that was all right. And then there's a wrinkle in time. Okay, can nah. I just do my thing here? Please, please uh, do. Because I'm talking about an extremely excellent yeah, we're, director. We're trying to be positive. Who literally here. has been so good. She's created her own production company. She's made so much money from these. This how much money her films have made. No, anyway, well, she's made money so from most it. currently out there um, on Netflix is When They See Us, which is it, um, about the five teens from Harlem, Harlem who became trapped in that nightmare when they were falsely accused of the brutal attack in Central Park. Mm-hmm. So I think most people have heard of the Central Park Five. It's a very and good this, movie. Yeah, it's based on the true story, um, and I think. Th- not only just the story, but the way that it's filmed and what she adds to it, it really challenges viewers to reconsider what it means to find justice in America. It's very powerful. Um, as Jacob said, she directed Selma. Mm-hmm. That was a that, fantastic that was movie. The best picture movie. That was so a that was movie. about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was played by David Oyelowo, oh, who, man, he was so good. Yeah, he was really good in that He's movie. He's really good. Martin Luther King, I feel like, is one of those unforgiving characters in history to play in a movie like everybody knows who he was everybody's very aware of mm-hmm. Martin Luther King so playing him it's a very intimidating role to take on it's not something a lot of actors it want is. to tackle and I think that that's why she did a really good job picking just doing that epic march from Selma to Montgomery and like the just the whole Voting Rights Act of 1965 instead of taking on his whole life. Right. Like it just took on like a portion of it, which, you know, then you could really kind of dive into it instead of like spreading it so thin to get his whole life story. Yeah, because it, this wouldn't work. It's like with Lincoln. They were like, we can't do his whole yes, life. We we'll just do bits pick of a it. section and that like pick part that encompasses his whole life. Kind so of. I'm just making sure two of these so far you think are excellent. Yeah, the movies are fine. Okay, so next would be, and this one is my favorite on on the list of Ava DuVernay is 13th. Did you see that documentary? Uh, it's nah, on Netflix? Not oh. really. So it refers to the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, um, to which anyone knows, just if you're not familiar with it offhand, <laughs> to give you an idea of the documentary, reads, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States. So from the progression of that second qualifying clause of the punishment for a crime to really leads to the horrors of mass criminalization and the sprawling American prison industry. And that is what is laid out in the documentary. Um, They have a lot of people speaking about it, a lot of scholars, a lot of people that are involved in it. And it is, it's really messed up. It's really messed up that it shows that they were like, okay, slavery's over, but like, psych, it's not really, it's just under a different name where it would begin with, oh, we arrested this black man because he looked at this white lady on the sidewalk. Truth, like that is it. Oh yeah, that's a fact. And then he's going to be in jail, and in that, they're going to be doing road work and doing all of these other jobs for us, and it just became, you know, slavery under another name, and it goes into how private prisons and like they'll have quotas so they have to be like 98 percent full so when people come up for it's time to be paroled and maybe they would be but then they're like "Uh uh-oh 
we're not going to meet our quota, so we're denying it to just keep people in prison. So you learn a lot from it. It is an excellent documentary. Yeah, private prisons, there is a horrible practice that oh, needs to just be abolished in this I can't, country. That is a whole episode right there. But so that, so then the only miss for me, no, that's not even true, because I did not see this movie, but I heard that it was a miss, um, even though it, it did well financially, would be um, A Wrinkle in Time. That's another one of her films. And then Middle of Nowhere was a film that did really well, which is what she started from. So I don't know where you're finding flaw with her, but not important. So in 2002... You know me, I'm a box office guy. I always argue those points. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but she became the first African-American woman to win the Best Director Prize at the Sundance Film Festival. Um, she won the award for her second feature, which is at Middle of Nowhere. Okay. And then in June of 2013, she was invited to join both the directors and writers branches of the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences. She's only the second black woman following um, Casey Lemons, who I think we're going to talk about on this episode, to be invited into the director's branch. So that's crazy. That's impressive. She's the first black female director to be nominated for a Golden Globe Award. That's big. She received the nomination for her film Selma, and she's the first black woman to have a film make $100 million at the domestic box office, which was A Wrinkle in Time. And, but all of that, like a lot of accomplishments, like I said, she has her own production company now. She's putting out these big films. She didn't start filmmaking or even use a film camera until she was 32. Really? And she did not attend film school. Hmm. This is just all like her own vision. Impressive, Jacob. That's impressive stuff. Look at you. I got you to say that it was impressive. I, I do think it's impressive. I just wish that somebody could start making something back for their investment in her movies and such. Because Wrinkle in Time was yeah, not a success. Yeah, but what I'm saying, it was a success in the fact that I just told you how much money it made. It made $100 million in the U.S. It cost 180 well, to make, so it. it's not exactly... And her other films have made good money which is why she was able to start her own production company which was based on how much money was made from the other ones we don't have to argue yeah, about we're this not going to get into this one again this We've been is, doing it this again. is she's a, a good director a, a black know? female director there are yeah. not enough of them and i'm really pleased to see how much she is succeeding i'm in very breaking ground i'm very curious to see how she does with her next movie uh the old gods I'm very because that's a that's i don't a know what rough, that is that is a rough property that she's taken it's a dc okay. movie it's another comic book movie so oh it's, really it's gonna be hmm. It's a. I don't know why they gave that to her because I'm not going to actually blame her on this one because that is a weird story to adapt, anyways. Oh yeah, I'm not even familiar with it. Yeah, it's kind of like it's basically like a Thanos of DC, even though it came out first. It's just a oh, bunch okay. of really weird comic books. It's going to be. I don't have high hopes for it, but this is actually one I'm not going to blame her on because it's DC. All or their, all if it's good, will you garbage. give her credit? It'll be a, if, she, if if she manages to make it good, yeah, I'll give okay. her a lot of credit because it should be hot. We'll come trash. back to that. Okay, who do you have for us? All right, so I'm gonna go who I believe is like the box office king um, right now. One of them, uh, Ryan Kogler. This guy, basically everything he touches goes to gold. Yeah, he's a great director. So if you guys don't remember him, he's the guy that behind uh, Fruit Fruitvale Station. Uh, I loved that. That was a hard movie to watch, but mm -hmm. a great movie. Kind of amazed he did not. I think he did get a best actor or best director nomination for that movie. Um, his first one right off the gate. Uh, he also directed Creed. Did not direct Creed 2, which you can very much tell. When I did you not watch, watch Creed 2. Oh, yeah, don't bother. It's a Stallone movie. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and then he also directed Black Panther in 2018, which everybody knows is the, the big, highest the grossing big, big time comic movie for him. Not only highest grossing comic movie, that movie actually was the highest grossing domestic movie of the year in a year where there was an Avengers movie out. So that's a very impressive feat by him. 
Is it not in a? Oh, it's a Marvel movie. It's just not an Avengers movie. Black Panther. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a Marvel movie, and he's in Black Panther. And I guess he did uh, he did have some rating credit into the Avengers movies because he kind of handles the Black Panther stuff now for them. Um, but I feel like he is the one director that I feel in all of Hollywood is trying to get him to do everything. Like if there's some kind of pro um, some kind of project you're working on that you need a unique voice on, you need a big name director, or you just have something you're not sure how to make it and you want somebody who you know is going to come in and knock it out of the park, bring a unique voice, maybe bring a more urban vibe mm -hmm. to it if that's what you're going for. I feel like Ryan Kogler is kind of the guy. That's the guy. Um, at the moment, he's actually working on uh, pre-production on Black Panther 2, which is another kind of deal where uh, Disney is sort of like, hey, why don't you come make this movie for us and then you can do whatever you want and we'll finance it for you. Can I ask you to describe Fruitvale Station a little? Because people might not know about it, and that was a really good film. That was a good Yeah, I feel like that one did kind of get glossed over I a feel like bit. that so was the kind of the movie start of Michael B. Jordan a little? That's the one where people started paying attention, because yeah, everybody yeah. just knew him as the kid from The Wire before that. And then, I knew him as the kid from Friday Night Lights. Oh, yep. Friday yep. Night Lights, <laughs> that was another one. He's a huge, big, big-time movie star now, so this yeah. is like got him going. Uh, it's also like the... His, Ryan Coogler's main dude, so. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's a story of uh, Oscar Grant III, who, uh, you know, was just some innocent guy. He was on the train station in uh, New York on the BART system, and some cops ran up and shot him and killed him because they said they felt threatened by him. And well, they, I mean, they were, like, arresting him and had yeah. him on the ground with his hands behind his back with a knee pinned into his back, completely smushed onto the ground, and then a cop pulled out his gun yeah. and then shot him. Yeah, so... It is so difficult. And that sparked pr uh, protest around the country for yeah. police brutality mm -hmm. and overuse of force, rightfully so. I don't, I don't think... I think the cops got... I don't think the cops got anything on that, did I honestly they? don't remember what happened. I know he said he was trying to reach for... He thought he was grabbed his taser. Um, But yeah, oh yeah, that's that's what that was. Good luck on that one. Yeah. So, yeah, Fruitvale Station, Ryan Kogler, I think he's probably the best uh, African-American director out there at the moment. Okay. Um, I feel like he has that perfect mix of both commercial and critical appeal that people are looking for. And, uh, you know, his next movie is going to be a huge hit, too, because he's currently writing Space Jam 2 with LeBron James. Not directing it, just writing just it. Just writing it. Well, so. I would also argue to say that this next director might be one of the biggest um, black directors would be Steve McQueen. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you know what? best known for 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, I think that was safe to say that's his best known movie, considering one best picture. Sure, sure. So, and um, that stars Chewy Tell Edgio for. I think people mostly know the story of Solomon Northrup, who was a New York State citizen who was kidnapped and then made to work on a plantation in, in New Orleans in the 1800s. So, it's excellently directed in that it is an unflinchingly brutal look yeah, at I, American I, slavery, but it's also really brilliant. So it kind of crosses both of those lines. Um, it's it funny to think because he's an English director too, isn't he? I'm pretty sure he's like Sir Steve McQueen at this point. So yeah, that's that's a fun thing. We got to bring in an English director to make something about a, a good movie about American. History. And I mean, I think quite possibly it's essential cinema at this point. Like this is a film that people are going to be talking about and referencing back to, and it earned over 187 million dollars on a production budget of 22 million. Uh, yep. Indeed. So all in all, like he just well, killed it. And plus, its best gift was given. Us Lapita Nuango, 
who made oh, her so much so. debut. In that yeah, movie. I mean, it was nominated for nine Academy Awards, and mm-hmm. it won three. Won Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and like you said, Best Supporting Actress for Lupita. Yeah, so I mean, just all that alone. Gosh, she was so good in that. She like ripped my heart out of my chest. She well, yeah. I mean, that's, she was really she's always good. I haven't seen her be bad to anything, and that's impressive at this point. And then I'd say he's moved on to really like commercial films. Is he directed that Widows mm-hmm. that came out last year, and that was a story of four women with nothing in common except a debt left by their dead husband's criminal activities. Um, it had um, Oscar winner Viola Davis, and then a bunch of other women. It's like a heist thriller. I, I didn't. Love it. It was fine. I mean, but people really liked it. Yeah, it, it was popular. You know what I had a hard time is that Viola Davis was married to Liam Nielsen, and I was like, no, that doesn't work at all. Liam Neeson? I don't know Nielsen. who that is. That, I, I have Liam no Neeson. idea who that is. You're talking about Liam Neeson, like from yeah. Taken? Yeah. Wait, she was married to Liam no, Neeson? No, in the movie. I was about to say, like in real life? I'm no. like, hold on, there's some dissonance no, going no, on No, no, in here. Widows. Oh, okay. And that couple didn't work for me. Like, I was like, they don't have chemistry together. I felt like that was poorly cast. So, like, yeah. they could have found someone else for Viola that worked better. I just didn't think that worked, which I think took me out of the whole film. Um, but still, commercial success. Yes. Critics actually kind of liked that movie, too. It did well all in all. And then, like, the the more original films of Steve McQueen, when he first hit out there, when he just wanted us to really suffer through his brutal filmmaking <laughs> would be hunger and shame there's a fun there's a fun night of watching for holy right moly yeah don't do that in one night they both nope. star michael fassbender and they're both incredibly difficult to watch so make hunger, sure you make sure you don't have your parents in the room if you're watching no parents shame. no children just watch it alone so you can just blush to yourself but hunger is about the final months of bobby sands who's the irish um, republic army activist who protested his treatment of the british prison guards with a hunger strike and Michael Fassbender definitely went on a hunger strike mm-hmm. to film this movie. He looks disgusting. And then Shame is about a New Yorker who kind of shuns intimacy with women but feeds his desires with compulsive addiction to sex. Yeah, that's a that's a uh, soft way to put what that movie's about. Yeah, it's and it's not sexy. You're just like this sad. This man is sad. Um, There's a although, lot of crying in showers and stuff that goes on in that movie. I do have to let people know. There is full frontal of Michael Fassbender, which you're just like, whoa. Yeah. Didn't know that was going to happen because that doesn't usually happen in movies. It does so more now where they've equaled out a little bit of female nudity and male nudity. Well, HBO, I think, is spearheading that. Which I'm kind of like, finally, like, I'm not saying I need to see naked men in film, but I'm like, at least make them as uncomfortable as you're making the women. It's just, I, I don't know. It's not as aesthetically pleasing, I suppose, but I'm all for equality. <laughs> sure for you, it is not. But, so yeah, so Steve McQueen is, is having a really great career. Um, they're very interesting films, especially I think kind of seeing them through his eyes. But also interesting with him is that he did not direct a feature-length film until he was 38 years old. I'm noticing a trend here. Yeah, like the older start. It's like they had to like go through all this time and prove themselves and work extra hard. None of these, these are not like kids coming out of like film school at NYU and being given money to, to make films. But you are right. Yeah. He was <clears throat> awarded the Knight Bachelor of the Order of the British Empire in, in 2020. That sounds pretty awesome. Don't yeah. know what it means. It's I know what Knight is. It's the Queen's New Year's Honors list for his services to art and film. So he was rewarded for like what he has brought as... Um, a film director but he was trained as a fine artist so he's been rewarded for like 
his art is spectacular. I think like that's had, his first ability. I think you would want to train to be an excellent artist. <laughs> you get it? Because fine artist, uh, it's too early for that one. Ah, well. It's there is no time of day that that one works. All right, so moving on from that terrible attempt at a joke there. I'm going to go ahead for my next director choice, who is F. Gary Gary, who I feel like is your middle-of-the-road <laughs> all-star when it comes okay. to directors. So you might not recognize the name, but boy, are you going to recognize the movies this guy made. He got his start back in 1995, uh, making features where he made the movie Friday. Everybody kind of remembers that movie. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> he also did Set It Off, The Negotiator, The Italian Job, A Man Apart. Be Cool, Law Abiding Citizen, wow. Straight Out of Compton, Fate of the Furious, Men in Black International. These Holy are just, moly. yeah, this dude gets big time projects left and right. Do they, then they're usually pretty successful too. Uh, Straight Out of Compton was so good. Yep, I mean, that was a best picture. I think, I think they got a best picture nomination. Just I don't a remember really. Great movie. But a great um, biopic there. Uh, he also st- got his start in music videos, which is where, you know, oh, okay. people noticed him. So some of his uh, videos where he did Ice Cube's It Was a Good Day, Coolio's Fantastic Voyage, Natural Born Killers with Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. He did the TLC video Waterfalls, and he did Miss Jackson with Outkast. <gasps> so <laughs> so basically, he's one of those jack-of-all-trades directors. Like, you just put him on something, you're going to get a very solid, very enjoyable movie. I, you know what? Everybody's had a couple stinkers here and there. But in general, he's had a pretty... Pretty solid pretty career. Pretty solid career. Like you watch him, you see his name on a movie, you're like, you know what? All right, I'll give this one a shot. It's not going to be terrible. I know that. So uh, I kind of I didn't even know he was an African American director for the longest time. I really did not. I kind of oh, found interesting. that out. I kind of, because, you know, made my own built in bias there. But then I found out, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I like this guy's movies. I'm going to keep an eye out for him. So I imagine they'll still be coming. Oh, I'm sure. I'm probably already got a movie coming out this year. Well, maybe not after Men in Black International, kind of took a dump at the box office. I just don't know who would want to see it. Maybe it's not. one of those films where I'm like, I feel like that's really difficult because it's just over. Yeah. It's over. We don't. I don't want to go see that. I liked Men in Black. I liked the second one fine. I mean, I like Chris I Hemsworth and I like it. Tessa Thompson. But Very, it's you like, love Tessa Thompson. I do. I do. I'm gonna. It's gonna be my third wife one of these days. Let me tell you. <laughs> but yeah, just nobody really cared. It was just kind of like no, eh, no Will Smith. But I think Jones. you're allowed one of those misses. So yeah, I don't I think, think I don't think that's gonna hurt anybody at all. It's just kind of they tried, didn't work. Move on. Um, I want to talk about D. Rees. Um, so she is a director who, in 2018, she became the first black woman nominated for an Oscar in the Best Adapted Screenplay category oh. um, for her highly acclaimed fil- film Mudbound. Oh, I, I have to watch that still. I never got around. I have to that. watch it still too because every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I have to be like in that mindset, like I'm ready to get sad. I mean, it's set in rural America yeah. South during World War II, and it's like an epic story of two families pitted against. Um, one another. Yeah, it's like I always see it on Netflix. I'm like, I could watch that or I could keep watching Shit's Creek. I don't really know which one. Yeah, to... like, much, do I want to watch something in the Mississippi Delta or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, her most excellent film is uh, Pariah. I don't know if you've seen that. I think I told you to watch it before. I think I did watch it. I don't really recall it. It's about Alike, who's a 17-year-old African-American woman who lives with her parents in Brooklyn, but she's embracing her identity as a lesbian. So it's a really authentically powerful coming out and coming of age story okay very well directed very well handled um she also directed bessie which was the queen latifah biopic about that, that Bessie one Smith. I did, that one i did see that's a good movie yeah 
So again, D Rees, I think not not many misses here. These are some really excellent. They're really powerful films. Like she definitely gets into the heart of the character, which I really like in my movies. Mm-hmm. So another one to look out for. Okay, yeah, let's let's do that. keep it going. I, I have a bunch more. What do you? Oh, have? I, I mean, we obviously we have to mention Jordan Peele, most famously known for the you know television series Key and Peele, because I mean, not like he's done anything else. Yeah, yeah. no, he nothing else. A couple <laughs> small movies, Get Out and Us. He's got another one in the pipeline as well. He's that also Twilight new one Zone. looks so creepy. I also love his trailers because I'm like, I don't know what this is yeah, really this totally is, about. This is not telling us anything. Yeah, I don't I like know what that. this going to be. So check him out. Um, but also Antoine Fu- um, Fuqua. Oh yeah. Is another classic director, another one who put out a lot of really good movies that, you know, you kind of bust out. They're always of a basic kind of level. So his history is kind of like replacement killers with uh, Chow Yun-Fat back in 98. But he also is probably most famous for Training Day in 2001. Fantastic yeah. movie. We were going to do a clip for that, but turns out there's none that don't have swearing <laughs> in it. So we cannot. <laughs> so <do> true. <laughs> uh, but he also made uh, Tears of the Sun, underrated Bruce Willis movie. King Arthur, not a good Clive Owen movie, but, you know, it's fine. Uh, Shooter with Marky Mark, which, you know. you got Mar- you still call him Marky Mark. Fantastic. You got Marky Mark in a movie. You know what you got there. <laughs> um Olympus has fallen. I mean, that was a terrible movie. I love those movies so much. I hate oh no, wait, I didn't see that. I was thinking of White House Down, but I feel like that's the same. Movie. It's the same plot. Only yeah, Olympus same. has fallen is a little bit better than White okay. House Down. And then okay. there's the they just had the third one come out. So neat. There's gonna be more. Can't wait. Uh, the Equalizer and Equalizer Two and Magnificent Seven remake. So he's you know he's another those big are name. big films too. Yeah, he, like the, they're giving this guy money. This dude makes money. He gets money for movies. He get Denzel Washington loves him. Like basically. He's Denzel's muse at this point. You see, he's gonna basically his first choice for all of his movies. And if you can get a actor of that caliber that wants to just be in your stuff all the time, yeah. you are set, man. And that's you know that's why he's made him one of the biggest names in Hollywood at the moment. So I okay. feel like sometimes people don't give African American or Black directors the credit some for the box office that they can draw. Like everybody just assumes the movies they're going to make and they're going to have limited appeal and it's going to be like the Tyler Perry syndrome Absolutely. where they only have a certain crowd that comes and in. And that's the thing that they're, that we have to constantly fight against and try to break is it's like these are human stories that humans can tell regardless of color. It's really weird. Yeah. It, we're growing. We're just doing it very slowly. Yeah. It's not going to always be what you assume, guys, just because of what somebody has and an assumed background. I think the next thing that we have to work on is when films have black casts, that those are not necessarily only appeal to black audiences, that those are still excellent films or TV shows. You know, these are, again, they're human stories. And you might also just learn something about people a little different from you or they grew up differently. So they're all fantastic. So I, I like to think that that is the direction that we're moving. Yeah. I mean, with all these big names and big movies, you know, it's gonna be, it's gotta be having some kind of effect. Well, like, so the next director I want to talk about, um, Barry Jenkins. So, oh, okay. yeah, so famous at this point because he directed Moonlight, which was the Best Picture Oscar winner. So it's excellent when things like that happen that you're like, see, black people are creating these amazing films and it just gives him more of an opportunity and then that gives him an opportunity to probably bring people up um, with him. So Moonlight was a brilliant film about lives that are too rarely seen in cinema. So this was a really important film to be directed by um, a, a black director to be like, we're seeing this through your eyes and it, it would be a totally different movie if someone else had directed it. Um, 
His first experience of Hollywood-style filmmaking occurred when he worked in L.A. as a director's assistant on uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God in 2005. That was an Oprah Winfrey I film. Do, I do remember that one. Oprah was pushing that thing hard back Yeah, in the so day. that's where Barry Jenkins kind of started. And then the movie that I love that he directed so much is If Beale Street Could Talk. I don't think I watched that one. Oh, you didn't? I believe that was last year. Regina King won the Best Supporting Actress oh. for being in that. It's I, like, a, I like Regina King, man. She killed it on Watchmen this year. It's a great, it's a gorgeous and enveloping film. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but sure. you know, someone wrongly convicted of a crime because they're black. Yeah, so that's it's pretty much the premise of the story um, based on a James Baldwin book. I know you. You, you have I expressed do, I love, your love I so much. I do. I, I. He is just like he's a genius. So yeah, another wonderful director. Great films. We're running out of time, but why don't you go through one more, and then I'll just list a couple other films. Uh, I guess I got to bring up because um, he's you know it's unfortunately he died in 2019, but I'll bring up John Singleton, who I feel like was the first yeah. big name African American director. Most famous his very first movie, Boys in the Hood. You know, classic movie. He got classic, nominated for yeah. be- he got nominated for best director, best picture nomination for that mm-hmm. movie. Uh, Ice Cube and Cuba Gooding Jr. kind of got their huge breaks in this yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then, you know, he made Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, Shaft. Oh, Higher Learning. That was a sad movie. Oof, Good higher Lord. Did you ever <laughs> gone back to watch that one No, recently? I don't want to. I went back and watched it, and man, it is not what I remember it being. Like, Pass. It, it is, yeah, don't don't bother. Okay. Like, keep that one in your memory. <laughs> and, he, you know, unfortunately, he also made Too Fast, Too Furious, which I believe everybody agrees is the worst in the Fast and I can't tell franchise. you. Couldn't tell you. It's the one in <laughs> in Miami. So, you know, if, if you make a movie, the worst one of a series that everybody's like, these movies all That's unfortunate. Sure. It, it's rough. But I. He but was, it's got other great films to follow. Yeah, don't, don't base his career on that one. He was just bad directing, uh, casting for that one. But uh, John Singleton, one of the greatest of all time, kind of like kicked off. Like without him, you don't have any of these other directors. So, yeah. you know, he's like kind of like the godfather of that. So, you know, kind of go back and remember remember his stuff. Um, okay, and then a couple more. Let me just get out. I want to talk about Boots Riley. He is an up-and-coming director. His film Sorry to Bother You came out. You're well, it's okay. What? You said sorry to bother you. Oh, funny. come on. <laughs> Why do you want to do this to me? But that, it's a really ambitious, funny, um, thoroughly original film. If you haven't okay. seen Sorry to Bother You. I like you. when people say thoroughly original. That usually means it's kind of wicked. Um, Casey Lemons, who we mentioned earlier, she has appeared um, in the film Silence of the Lambs. Like So back in the day, she was actually oh. in the film. Was she uh, sh- um, Clarice's uh, friend in that movie? Yeah. It's only like one black person in science. Then I would so. say yes. And then she directed one film that's in the Library of Congress registry, which is Eve's Bayou from oh. 1997. That was a really big, um, important film. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. He's pretty young in that oh, film. Boy. And then most recently, movie Harriet. That was just um, up. Cynthia Erivo was nominated for an Oscar this year for Best Actress for the film Harriet. Yeah, um, and that. Sur- she yeah, was like that was directed sh- by Casey Levin. She was the big shock in the uh, the Oscar nominations this year. I think if one. she actually would have won, she would have had an EGOT. I think she has all the other ones. Really? I think so. Mm-hmm. But um, And then there is uh, Gina Price by the Wood. That's her name. The film is Beyond the Lights. Um, Shola Lynch. Check out Free Angela in All Political Prisoners. It's about Angela Davis, who I also am super obsessed with. I love her so much. Um <laughs> Rangano Nioni, the film I Am Not a Witch, about a Zambian girl accused of witchcraft. We've got some original ideas here that I'm really, really digging. And then also check out uh, Nia DaCosta. In 2018, she put out the film Little Woods. 
Um, again, it's it's a it's a great teeth a film about survival and sisterhood and people who are just kind of hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff for you to check out. Yeah, and go check out also. Um the four percent challenge, everybody. That's uh, started by Tessa Thompson, uh, where she is basically kind of pushing actors um, to work with more minority and female directors because apparently only four percent of Hollywood is female or minority yeah. directors. So they're like, it's crazy. They're trying to get everybody to make a pledge to go work with them. And that sounds you know, awesome. Go do that, guys. You know, let's get on. Let's get some more diversity going here. It's okay. getting, getting a little stale in Hollywood. Let me tell you, a little you. stale. All right, my friend, we're done. Plug us up. So everything that you hear on All Booked Up is going to be available at one of your local libraries. We have 37 branches all over Erie County. Just stop on by, tell them, hey, we're listening All Booked Up, and as always, they keep telling me to come bug you. And before the librarian kicks you out for annoying them about it, just tell them, hey, let's get some movies going, some books. Let's do it, everybody. We also have a bookmobile that's driving around. Just go ahead and visit our website, www.buffalolib.com to find out where that's going to be, to check out your account online, so to go get stuff. some free ebooks. Great. We got our overdrive thing going on. There's free music you can get every month. Guys, there's so much stuff, it's almost ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a little embarrassed for you that you haven't gone and visited the website <laughs> or any of that. Weirdo. I mean, come on, guys. Are you done? Also, follow us on All Booked Up Pod on Twitter, and we will tweet things. You bet we will. Um, a couple facts for you that I, that I stumbled across that I thought were really interesting. So I, most people obviously think of Rosa Parks as the first person to refuse to give up her seat on a bus in Alabama. But there were actually several women who came before her. And one of them was Claudette Colvin. Have you ever heard of this person? No, I haven't. Yeah. So in March of 1955, um, the 15-year-old schoolgirl refused to move to the back of the bus nine months before Rosa Parks kind of launched the Montgomery bus boycott. So Claudette had been studying black leaders like Harriet Tubman in her segregated school, and those conversations had led to, you know, discussions around the current day Jim Crow. And so when this bus driver ordered Claudette to get up, uh, she refused. And she was arrested in this and that. But they kind of decided the NAACP felt that Rosa Parks made a better icon for the movement than a teenager. So they just kind of like latched onto that. Oh, they, but, weren't, they weren't wrong. It's still a at Colvin. Girl was doing it first. Yeah, and she got pushed out by history for Well, we're for remembering marketing. her. So yeah. we are remembering her right now. Also, and this is something that is completely whitewashed, but one in four cowboys was black. That is whitewashed. Kind of nobody uh, completely whitewashed in popular books and movies. In fact, it is believed that the real Lone Ranger was inspired by an African-American man, Bass Reeves. So Reeves had been born a slave but escaped west during the Civil War. Um, and then he lived in like this Indian territory. He eventually became a deputy U.S. Marshal. Um, he was an expert marksman, a master of disguise. He had a Native American companion, and he rode a silver horse. Believe in the law. I just know that because he was also a very big part of Watchmen this season. Oh, like really? He, he was a super big part. Like he's a like the well, ins- inspiration for everything. That they're in the bringing these people up, but also his story is not unique. So there were lots of um, African American men who, you know, were these legendary cowboys living these dangerous lives. So. Yeah, re-educate ourselves here. Um, And that the first licensed um, African-American female pilot was named Bessie Coleman. 
Um, and that was in 1892. This woman who grew up in harsh poverty and discrimination and segregation, and she moved to Chicago at 23 to kind of, you know, find some sort of fortune, but not much was happening. But there was all these tales of um, flying exploits from people returning from World War One, and that inspired her to explore aviation. Um, but they were like, oh, not only are you a woman, but you are a black woman. And this is never going to happen. So she ended up going to France and, you know, studied for like seven months, learned to fly. And yeah, 1921, there she she was. That's impressive stuff, man. She had her international pilot's license and she was wildly celebrated upon her return to the U.S. I think anybody that wanted to fly a plane back in the 1920s, like kudos to you, man. I wouldn't want to get into Oh, yeah, things. but she was a huge inspiration to other black people to um, become pilots because they they never pursued it because they were not allowed to. And now this became like it kind of changed everything. Oh. Well, so, see, okay. We're all is, learning. We're all learning something. I mean, today, it's really everybody. important. Take the opportunity in Black History Month to read something, to watch something that maybe you normally wouldn't, to expand your mind, to understand other cultures, and just to be entertained by excellent yeah. stuff. And that's good, it. Good stuff all around. People can okay. check it out. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, we won't have an episode next week. We will see you again on March 2nd. Bye.